Two scriptures I want you to, to turn to. One very familiar scripture, 2 Chronicles 7.14. 2 Chronicles 7.14. The other is Jeremiah chapter 2. And uh, so I want you, you can mark one, mark Jeremiah. We'll get over there in just a moment. We're going to start with 2 Chronicles 7.14. As, I, as I've been studying and, and preparing for um, the lessons we've been doing, the, the, the sticks and stones messages on Sunday morning, really looking at counterculture stuff, all of the things that are, are dealing with. We're not going to look at all everything, but we're going to look at some key issues. Uh, this week we'll, be, we'll continue in our study on, uh, on this whole transgender sexual sin issue. Uh, and then the following Sunday, I think we're going to look at what is really a hot topic right now, it's died down a little bit, but it's it's becoming it's more and more of a topic that that is is it's creeping into churches, and that's the the area of women pastors. So we'll be looking at that message um, a week from Sunday. So pray, pray for me as a prepare. But as I was preparing, this was something I come across, and I thought, man, I, we need to we need to hear this. We just need to be reminded of this. And so the title of our message tonight is this: is Are we grieved? Are we grieved? You know, so let's look at 2 Chronicles 7.14. Again, a verse you're very familiar with. If my people... Now, there's an if right there. It means there's a contingency here. The Lord says, if you do this, if you do this, then I'll do that. There's an if then. And, and so when we see that, God is saying, if you do this... Now, understand, I'm going to just say this up front. This isn't written to us, but it's applicable for us. Okay, this is written to Israel. This is written to them, the nation of Israel. And the promises here are to them. The principle applies to us today. But we got to understand, this isn't written to America today. But it's written to believers. It is written to his children. And so the principle applies. My people, who are his people? His people are us. We're his people. So if my people, who are called by my name, will humble themselves... And pray, now, now look at this, there's more than one thing here, and, and I like the way the scriptures, at least the King James and New King James, break this up. Will humble themselves, it's where it starts, there's the first thing, folks. We as his people are to humble ourselves. We are to humble ourselves and pray. Okay, so humble yourselves and pray, but it doesn't stop there. He says, and seek my face. To seek his face, to seek his will, to seek what it is he would want, what he would have us to do. To, to, be, to be, You seek someone's face, you want to see them close, you want to be in their presence. So we're to humble ourselves and pray and seek my face and turn from their wicked ways. So God makes it very clear. There's some things there. If we'll humble ourselves, if we'll pray as his people and seek his face and turn from our wicked ways, then here's the then. Then God says, then I will hear from heaven and will forgive their sin and heal their land. Folks, we're in a country today that the land, this land needs healing. This land, we, 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 we talk often, we want revival in America. We want to see revival in our country. Folks, there's, a, there's a, really a recipe right there for revival. But more than revival in America today, we need repentance. We need brokenness among the people of God. I don't know that we're truly broken for the sin of our country. We're disgusted by a lot of it. We're angered by a lot of it. But we, are we really, really broken? Are we really grieving the sin of our country and the state of our country. Uh, it makes you question, where are we at in that? 
So that's the question today. And so there's a, there's a, there's a promise here. The Lord says, if, if my people, he's not talking about the rest of the country. He's talking about his children in this nation. If you're going to apply it to today, that's us as God's children, us humbling ourselves and praying, talking to God, spending time in prayer, conversing with him on all these issues, seeking his face, his will, his direction, his guidance, all that, and turn from our wicked ways. Folks, there's a lot of wickedness within the church. You know, I, 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 we, we, it's easy for us to point out there and, and call out the sin outside of the church. We don't do a real good job of pointing the finger ourselves. We really don't. We, we, we like to ex, ex, excuse our sin. We like to justify our sin. We're like the lawyer in the New Testament who, who's seeking to justify himself. So he goes to the Lord, and he's kind of got some trick questions and stuff. And Well, who is my neighbor? You know, I'm a lawyer, so let's figure. Who, who really is my neighbor if I'm to love my neighbor? You know, it's kind of what we do a lot of times. We justify it because, yeah, we like, like that person or that per, this person or that person. You know, we, we love them. It, it, it might be us. We love me. I love me some me. You know, Don't we, ain't that us? I love me some me. That's all of us. We, we love ourselves. It's one of those, the one the Lord tells us, love your neighbor as you love yourself. Because we love ourselves. We don't, we don't tend to miss meals. We make sure we get rest when we need it. Whatever. We look out for us. Man, there's, a, there's just that scripture. Is so what we need is we, we need revival in our country, but it starts with repentance. And, and to have real repentance, it's got to start with grief. Do we, do we have any grief over our own sin? Do we have any grief in our, uh, over the sin in our own church? Do we have grief uh, over the sin in our, in our own denomination, uh, in our own, you know, in, 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 in all of Christendom in, in, the, in America? Do we have grief over that? And we, we want the lost world to act saved. I'm, I'd love to see the saved world act saved. That, that's the part I'd like to see is just Christians act like Christians. We get mad at the lost world, wanting them to act like Christians. That's not what they're going to act like. They're going to, sinners are going to act like sinners. We shouldn't expect anything more. So the question is, are we grieved by the sin of our nation? And grief over our sin should bring real and immediate brokenness and repentance. When we truly get to a place where we grieve over our sin... As an individual, when, when I come to a place that I realize sin in my life, you know, I can say, Lord, I, I know that's wrong. Lord, forgive me. Uh, Lord, I know that was wrong. I, I won't do it again. But until we truly are, when we see sin as God sees sin. You know, that's why a lot of people, I believe, are walking around, I'm never going to get through this message. <laughs> that, that's why a lot of people are walking around today with a false, a false assurance of their salvation. Because they've, they've prayed a prayer, they've never truly been changed by the Holy Spirit of God. Because they never, on the front side, never truly acknowledged their sin. Yeah, I realize we're sinners, we're all sinners, this, that, and the other. Look, when we really, when we see ourselves the way God sees us, and we see what we truly deserve, man, that's when real repentance comes. And it's not a, I think it's a wrong motivation. I don't want to go to hell. I don't think that's the motivation that leads to salvation. That's the motivation that leads to buying fire insurance. I'm going to come and pray because I don't want to go to hell. You know, repentance is not about not going to hell. Repentance is we're broken because of our sin. Make sense? 
And that's, that's where, you know, we've got to get to that place where we understand our sin. When we see our sin and we see the things that we do wrong, when we see it the way God sees it, man, it's easy. It's easy then to repent of it. And that's where we, we've got to humble ourselves and pray and seek his face. We get into his presence. You know what happens when we get in his presence? And here's what a lot of times we don't like to get in his presence because he reveals that sin in our life. And it's uncomfortable in his presence. And, and as we get close and it's like, ah. You know, I feel that I feel that that conviction. I feel that man. I feel I, I know that my, and we want to hold on to it. So, look, we got to get that place where we're grieved over our sin as individuals and as a church. I can't speak for anybody else. I can speak for right here. And we're going to see revival in Geneva. That's where it's going to start. It's, it's got to start right here, and it's got to start with us. It's got to start right here. So we're focusing tonight on our response to to the sin uh, that we see in our nation including the rampant increase of, of godlessness, debauchery, and selfishness. Folks, it's, 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 it's only getting worse. Amen? You know, I, I mentioned Sunday when the, the, uh, the Marriage Act, when, when the Supreme Court in that case made the ruling, and in 2015, 2015, just eight years ago, that same-sex marriage became legal. Look at the slide morally in our nation in those eight years. I mean, it's just... It's at light speed what's happening and what's going on. Jeremiah 2 not only paints an accurate picture of them, but also conveys a proper response to such things. Even in our day, it's going to to show us the proper response. Because the heart of man is the same, the similarities between our culture and theirs is unavoidable. Because here's the deal. Man is man, sin is sin, and sin is in the heart of every man. Amen? So when you really look at it, sinful cultures, and when there's sin in culture, they're, they're all going to have similarities because the sin, I mean, there's, there's all kind of sin. But, folks, we're, we're all sinners. And, and we're, we're born sinners. And we live a life of sin until we come to a place of salvation. Then we're forgiven of our sin. But unless we crucify the flesh and walk according to the Spirit, we still walk in sin. We still commit sin. But as a true believer, then there's conviction, and we're grieved by that, and we turn from that. But man, the culture then, the culture today, it's similar because there, there's rampant sin, and we see what's happening. Uh, most importantly, God's view of sin and of, of the things that are going on in, in their time and the things that are going on in our time, his view of that has not changed. So let's look at Jeremiah chapter 2. We'll begin in verse 1. We're going to read the first, we're going to cover the 13 verses, first 13 verses, but we'll start here with the first three. He says, moreover, the word of the Lord came to me saying, um, uh, go and cry, go and cry in the hearing of Jerusalem. I'm sorry, my note I wrote here was in the wrong place. Uh, moreover, the Lord, word of the Lord, verse 1, came to me saying, go and cry in the hearing of Jerusalem. So that, that word there says, go and cry. Now, we, we read that and first thing we think is shedding of tears. It's not about, that's not the word here. It's not about shedding of tears. This cry is the idea of accosting a person. So it is crying out with the mouth. It is proclaiming. So he's saying, go and cry in the hearing. Yell this, cry this out, proclaim this. That's the idea. But it's not a simple, laid-back, passive thing. This is a very, uh, like I said, the ideas of accosting a person. It's, it, it's crying out uh, in the hearing of Jerusalem. And that's speaking of the nation of Israel when talking in Jerusalem. Saying, thus says the Lord, I remember you. Now, the Lord's never forgotten us. But, but he says here, he says, I remember you. The kindness in your mouth, the love of your betrothal. 
when you were after me in the wilderness, when you went after me in the wilderness, in a land not sown. And, and so what the Lord did, then he says Israel was, was, was holiness to the Lord. Israel was set apart for him. It was holy unto the Lord. The first fruits of his increase. The first fruits of his increase. Speaking about his harvest of redemption and of righteousness. They, they were the first. All that devour him. And it's speaking here, it's referring to that harvest, the spiritual harvest. You know, it's a word picture here. All that, that, that devour him will offend. Disaster will come upon them, saying, the, uh, says the Lord. And so, in other words, what he's saying is here, those who oppose God's work of righteousness, they're punished. They're going to be punished. That's what he's talking about, what was going on there. Those who, man, he, he says, I, I look back and I, I see this. I remember your kindness. And it wasn't so, not only that he remembered it, but he's really reminding them here. Not just remembering their kindness. He's reminding them of the things that they were their kindness of your youth, the love of your betrothal. When you went after me, you pursued after me, you chased after me, you wanted that relationship with me. And it was in a land not sown. It was a land that wasn't theirs. It was a land that they went into. Those were the glory days. God is remembering them and he's reminding them of their devotion to him and love for him and perseverance and holiness and success they, they started out strong. You can see that. That's what he's reminding them of. And we understand that as we've studied that the nation of Israel, how they started out. They started out strong. And the point is this. So did we. We started out strong, just like the, Israel, the Israelites of old. So point one there in your notes says this. We started out strong as a nation. That's verses one through three. The parallels are undeniable. And you don't have to read very much of our history to see that. You don't even have to, you don't have to know a whole lot of our history and you can see that. They were devoted to the Lord at first. And so were we. Think back on our godly heritage as a nation. Those that came over, man, they were, there was a religious bunch of people. They were a God-fearing, God-loving, God-pursuing people. They loved the Lord. They loved the Lord, and so did we. They followed Him wholeheartedly, and so did we. We even, we, we even entered a land not sown like they did and triumphed over our enemies like they did. We started out strong. Not every person was a saint, Amen. Not every person that was here in the founding of America or in the early days. And go back, let's, let's, not, let's, let's think for a second. Think back to earlier in your walk as a Christian in a church somewhere. Not everybody in there was a saint. But we go back 20 years, you know what? A lot of times we see that we, there was a different walk with the Lord. You go back 40 years, there was a different walk with the Lord. We're, if you're going to be honest, you have to admit as a nation, we are slight. Well, let's do it this way. Graph, we're doing this. Okay, we're, we're, we're on the downward. That's not what you want to see. You want to see this. We're getting more spiritual. And we see as a country, as a, as a people, as, a, as believers today, we're, the, the slide is going the wrong way. The graph's moving the wrong way. Not everybody was a saint, and we certainly d didn't get a lot of things right. I mean, think about slavery. We don't defend slavery. It was, that wasn't right. But you know who, who helped overturn that? Christians. Christianity overturned that. And women's rights. So we didn't handle that right. We got it right, though. Indians and the reservations, the way a lot of that was handled, it wasn't handled right. We got a lot of things wrong. We Be honest and look at that. But as a whole, as a culture, most people sought the Lord and most people feared Him. And we started out strong because of that. 
As a country, we started strong. Unfortunately, it didn't last because just like the Israelites, and we come to point two, we digressed as a nation. They digressed as a nation. We digressed as a nation. Verse 4, Hear the word of the Lord, O house of Jacob, and all the families of the house of Israel. Thus says the Lord, What injustice have your fathers found in me that they have gone far from me, have followed idols, and have become idolaters? What is, it, what is the problem that your fathers have with me? What, what, what was the problem? What, did, what injustice did I do? What wrong did I do as their God that they've turned away from me to pursue idols? What happened? When did I become the wicked witch of the West and, and they all become the wicked monkeys? What, what is this? What's going on? What's up with that? That's, that's what he's asking. Verse 6, he says, Neither did, uh, did they say, Where is the Lord? Who brought us up out of the land of Egypt, who led us through the wilderness, through the land of deserts and pits, through a land of drought and, and of the shadow of death, through a land that, is, that no one cr- uh, crossed and where no one dwelt. God says, they didn't seek me after all I brought them through. I was out of sight and out of mind, easy come, easy go. You know what? That's more similarities. To our nation today. It's, our, it's similarities of our nation even in the early days. It seems like as God blessed, the more God blessed, the more we've, we've, we, you know, I think the greatest, you know, our prosperity is the greatest blessing in, of our country. And, and it, God's used it to bless the world, sent out for years, sent out so many missionaries and so much money that went out to, to do the work of the Lord. But our great blessing, that great blessing of prosperity is probably the greatest hindrance to our spiritual walk. We become a nation that's very self-dependent, self-reliant, self-sufficient. We don't, we don't need the Lord. Why would you need the Lord when you, you know, you're driving a Maserati? You know, why do you need the Lord when you got a bank full of money? When, you know, you just go, my talent, my abilities, because it's me, 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 I, I, I did that. We've lost sight of what God did. That's where they were, and that's where, where we've been. Verse 7, I brought you into a bountiful land to eat its fruit and its goodness. But when you entered, you defiled my land and made my heritage an abomination. And so you made the work of grace and the life and the way of life that I instituted into something horrible, shameful, and sinful. Does that sound familiar? Sounds like our our country and and the histories. And it wasn't just the people. The leaders were right there with them. Verse 8, the priests did not say, where is the Lord? And those who handle the law did not know me. The rulers also transgressed against me. The prophets prophesied by Baal and walked after things that, uh, that do not profit. So even the leaders, even the spiritual leaders of the nation, they digressed. And they, and they pursued the wrong things. They got away from the Lord. They got into idolatry and all these things. Folks, we look around today, and you don't have to look very far. And you find pastors standing in pulpits who are not preaching the truth. They're, they're preaching false, false doctrines. They're, and they're not even, many of them aren't even apostates. They're just straight up heretics. And they're, and they're seeking self-profit. Self you know, when I think of, uh, without naming names, but a Joel Osteen and uh, those guys who do not speak the truth, and they're, they're leading multitudes of people astray, 
And, 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 and you know, the gospel said, well, you know, just pray a prayer. Just pray a prayer. I've shared the story. I've heard him with my own ears. Preach a 20-minute message. He never referenced scripture, never opened the Bible, nothing. Self-help purely. And at the end of it, and said, oh, you know, I just, I think I would be amiss. I'd be amiss tonight if I didn't give you an opportunity to be a part of the family of God. So if you'll just pray this prayer with me, you can join the family of God. And so there's a prayer. There's a, they lift up a prayer that they just echo, but there was, no, there was no gospel ever preached. So what gospel are you following? What gospel are they supposedly responding to? And when, it, and when confronted on television, you've seen him confronted on, on, on interviews in the years past, you know, with the opportunity to say, Jesus is the only way to heaven. Well, that's what the Bible says, Amen. He won't say that. He won't say that. Oh, there's many roads that go to heaven. That's a false prophet. It's all about, it's all about padding his pocket. I wouldn't want to stand in those shoes. I'm not sure I want to stand in my shoes before the Lord. Because we're going to answer for every... We're going to, we're going to give account of everything, folks. I don't want to stand in, I don't want to stand there with, with what these guys are doing today. So leaders digressed. Then and today. Verse 9, therefore I will yet bring charges against you. He says, I still have something against you. He says, says the Lord, and against your child, children's children I will bring charges. And what he's saying is, I, I'm gonna, I will oppose you. You, you turn from me, I'm going to oppose you. I'm going, to, I'm going to work against you. I'm going to fight you until you get your hearts right and come back. Verse 10, for pass beyond the coast of Cyprus and sea. Now, that's, that's in the west from where they were. Send to Kedar. That's in the east. He says, and consider, consider diligently and see if there has been such a thing. Uh, and, and he says in verse 11, has a nation changed its gods? Now, it's a little g. Which are not gods? Question mark. Little G, has has a nation changed its gods? And and here's what he's saying: Can you find an instance where a culture has abandoned their religion, even though it's false? And and if you think about this, this was interesting. I spent a little time just thinking on this right here. Think about communism. Once it gets rooted in, it it it, it doesn't go anywhere. Think about Islam. Once it gets rooted in, people don't turn, they don't turn from Islam. They get, they get, they trench in deeper. Now, they might not even be following a pure form of Islam, but man, they they are they are stubborn in that. Hinduism and paganism. But Christianity and Christian nations have turned away. And it's it's just an unimaginable disgrace. When you look at England and where England was even a century ago, the men who stood and preached the the giants for the Lord that came out of that country. And today it is a, a, well, it's like we are. It's a cesspool. It is. They They have just slid and digressed and abandoned the true God. He says, but my people have, ch- have changed their glory. They've forsaken their God, big G. 
for what does not profit. But my people have changed their glory for what does not profit. They digressed, and so have we. Not that everything is bad and not, and not that it happened overnight. Our digression was gradual, almost uh, imperceptible at times. Unless you're, you know, you ever notice that like with your kids? We don't see our kids grow, but we look at pictures and we go, wow. And over the summer, they, just, they really shot up. But we don't see it because we see them every day. And then all of a sudden, boom, you, you, when you see a picture or, or uh, you know, you don't see family for a while and you go and visit and you get together and you see them, it's, imperce- it's imperceptible day by day. But when you get back and you look at it, you see, wow, what a change. And, and that's what it's been. That's been the, the change, the digression in America over the years of, of our country. It's just continue, It's just digressing very, very slightly. And you wake up one day and, and then boom, you notice it. You know, it's kind of like, kind of like getting older. You wake up one day and you realize that you've changed. You know, I, I look in the mirror sometimes and say, do you know whose picture did you tape on the mirror there? Who's that old guy with the gray beard, you know? Who is that? She said, oh, no, that's you. Slowly but surely, the unbiblical thinking of some quickly affected others and seeped into their communities and it seeps into our communities, our colleges, our institutions, our culture, and even our churches. It's, it's the, the unbiblical thinking, the, 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 the slide away from our God. You take Harvard for an example. Founded as a Christian school, it eventually digressed. Now it's purely secular. And that doesn't mean that, that it's as bad as it could be. It could be a lot worse, but it's bad. It just means that, that uh, it's not what it used to be. It's, it's no longer a bastion of truth and of godliness. You know, we, we don't have to look at that far. We can look right here in DeLand. If you're familiar with the history, it's Stetson University right there in DeLand. It was founded as a Baptist university. It was a great school. Adrian Rogers, raise your hand if you're familiar with the name Adrian Rogers. Great preacher of our time. I guess Adrian's been dead 12, 14, 15 years now. Maybe a little longer. Time flies. But he went to Stetson University. That's where he got his degree. Come out of there and went to preaching. And um, it was a great school. But I'll say this. It may, it may, be, a, it may be, I don't know. Well, no longer is it a great school. It's a, it's a, it's a, very, um, it's a very progressive school. It, it's very much pushing the ways and the things of today. It's far from being a Baptist university today. In fact, the Baptists are totally, um, it's been totally separated from that school. Or how about some of our mainline denominations? Initially, they, they were stalwarts of righteousness and pillars of truth, but they too digressed. We have denominations today that are just walking in blatant, open, rebellious towards the Bible sin. Totally turned away from the Lord as did our government, our courts, and schools. Over time, we exchanged our allegiance to God for, uh, and His truth for, what, um, for that which does not profit. And, where it is not, uh, and were it not for a few bombshells along the way, some of those watershed moments that marked and solidified the cultural shifts, we might not have even noticed it at all. You think about things like removing prayer from school in 1962 may be the single most damning thing to our nation right there. 
And today, what, what happens? You, you hear the, the, the atheists and the anti-God people, they say, where's God? Where's God? When there's school shootings, where's God? Well, why would he be here? You kicked him out. You kicked him out. You didn't want him on campus. And the reason we're having these issues today is because, because prayer was kicked out of school. The Bible pushed out of the schools. Or the legalizing abortion in 1973, praise God, that's been uh, in some ways overturned. Don't think abortion's now illegal, folks. Don't be, don't be misled into thinking that a whole, lot, a whole lot didn't change. What did change was that needs to go back to the states, and the states can do what they should have been doing in 72 and 73 instead of the liberals hijacking that whole issue and taking it before a liberal court that ensured it would be uh, upheld and, and made legal. It should have worked through the states back then. That's the way our, our government is supposed to work. Um, or declaring the Defense of Marriage Act un unconstitutional in 2013. That was a big deal. 2013, the, the Defense of Marriage Act was declared unconstitutional, and two years later, later uh, same-sex marriage was legalized in, in all 50 states. Just two years from defending marriage as a, between a man and a woman to now it's, it's, it's for just really for whoever at this point. Watershed moments mark years and years, even decades of cultural digression from a biblical standard. We started out strong, but as a country, we digressed. And because of that, we're in trouble today as a nation. So number three, the third thing here is we're in trouble. We're in trouble as a nation. Verse 12 and 13. Verse 12 says, Be astonished, O heavens, at this. And be horribly afraid. Be very desolate, says the Lord. In other words, what he says here is, be grieved. Be grieved by where you're at. Verse 13, for my people have committed two evils. They have forsaken me, the fountain of living waters, and hewn themselves cisterns, broken cisterns that can hold no water. Number one, They've forsaken the Lord and, and, and the fountain of living waters. Why would we do that? You know, when you, when you, if you put it in the terms of a picture, so they've hewn out themselves these cisterns. And a cistern was something that held water. And, and for it to be pure, then it had to be, had to be sealed up tight. It couldn't be, you can't have water leaking into it. You can't have water leaking out of it because if water's leaking out of it, you got other stuff that's probably seeping into it. So a cistern, for it to be pure and clean, it's got to be, I mean, it's got to be really like perfect, okay? What he says here is they hewn for themselves cistern, broken cisterns that can hold no water. So what you're going to have is you're going to have a filthy, you're going to have filthy water. I showed a, I don't think I've ever done this in, in a message here. Maybe I did, maybe I didn't, I don't remember. But, but one time I was talking about, um, you know, what we choose. And I showed pictures of like mansions on, on, these, on these islands, you know, somewhere like Jamaica or somewhere, this big old multi-million dollar mansion, everything, swimming pool, the water's clear. And then I showed a picture of, of some of the villages that I've done mission work in in Jamaica and Honduras. Villages are nothing more than just shacks and lean-tos. And, and they're built on dumps. And there's sewage water running right through the middle of it, right there where their homes are. I mean, that's, and that's where people are living. And, and you know, I related it to this. Why would you 
choose that, the, the, the filth. When you have a choice, why would you choose filth over that mansion? And folks, spiritually, that's what we do when we choose sin. I don't care how it's packaged. I don't care how good Satan makes it look. We've chosen the filth and the sewer water. And so God says here, they've forsaken me, the fountain of living waters, pure. Absolutely. I mean, take even better than the purest mountain spring, cold water. You're seeing it melt off the ice and it's running. You know, you think of that clear. Oh, it'd be so cold. It'd be pure. It'd be even greater than that. Absolutely pure because it's from the Lord, the fountain of living waters. And what do we do? We hewn for ourselves these broken cisterns that really just turn into cesspools. If the way God looked at the ancient Israelites is any indicator of the way he looks at us, then folks, we're in trouble. And I would say that, make no mistake, it's an indicator of the way he looks at us today. Because his view of sin has never changed and his call to follow has never waned. We're in trouble. And I think this is in your notes here. We're in trouble because just like them, we're trying to do, uh, to do things on our own and do them our own way. You know what that is? It's pride. It's just pride. It's just, it's just what we do. And, and so we're trying to do things on our own. We're trying to do it without him, and we do them our own way. We do it the way we want to do it. And it's just pure pride. It's just I want to be the boss. I'm going to make the final decision. Everything's going to be the way I want it. I know, God, what you say about that, but I'm going to do it the way I think it ought to be done. And, man, folks, when we do that, we've got trouble. Scriptures are clear. He's given, the Lord's given us such clear instruction on so many things and, and when we follow that, when we follow his way, we avoid those things. We're not drinking from a broken cistern, something that we're trying to do. And so that's what we do. We do it our own way, and we do it on our own as opposed to trusting God and living his way. Or, or, as, or, or as Jeremiah says it, we've made cisterns for ourselves. And, it, and it's used here as a metaphor to picture ways of living that are contrary to God's, contrary to his fountain, his fountain of living water. So you picture that. On the one hand, you have a, a never-ending source of life, and on the other, a stagnant pool of death, something that satisfies in the short run but leaves you empty on the long run. Man, it's, it's, that's just sin. Always, man, Satan, Satan and sin always promises more than it can ever deliver, promises such great things. And it always, it's going to always leave you with a, a, with a, with a sickness in your stomach. Something that promises life but, but doesn't deliver. That's what Satan always promises with sin. and always leaves you disappointed and disheartened and discouraged and damaged. That's what happens. That's a, that's a cistern. And we're in trouble as a nation because we have a lot of them. And it's the cisterns that we've created. It's things that we've done. Like a lifestyle of hedonism where the self-indulgent pursuit of pleasure is your sole aim. It satisfies initially, but over the long haul leaves you empty. Hedonism. It's just, man, it's just about me having everything. And, man, you know, our country, when we look at, uh, we saw the, the movie, the, the, the Sound of Freedom. You know, the number one country in the world for uh, 
um, consumption of all that is America. It's another sign of the prominence and the, and the cursing that comes with that is the prominence. And so the people with, with money, they, they pay to feel whatever fantasy, as perverted as it can be, it doesn't matter because they just want to have that self-indulgent pursuit of pleasure, whatever it may be. Or, or how about a, a promiscuous lifestyle where, where sex is the goal, leaving you with nothing but short-term game, gain and long-term pain. Makes me think about what Raymond always says. You choose to sin. Y'all know what he says. You choose to sin. You choose to suffer. If you're going to live in sin, if you're going to choose sin, you're going to suffer. And that lifestyle leads to that. It leads to, it's just empty and, 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 and just void of hope and, and anything lasting. Or what about a selfish lifestyle where money is the be-all, end-all? We have a culture today that's driven by these things. You know, my self-indulgent pursuits or, or promiscuous lifestyle or, or just a selfish lifestyle where it's all about me, about what I can have. And the, 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 all of these things, they're just broken cisterns, all of them. Things that fill quickly, leak slowly, and stink in between. And that's what a cistern does. Leaky cistern, it's going to fill up quick and it's going to leak out and it's going to be... Just nasty. You don't want to drink from that. And don't leave out the ungodly ways of thinking like humanism. Humanism, the mindset that man has all the answers. We, we think we've got all the answers. Or atheism, it's the passive lack of belief in God. Or this new atheism, it's the faith that there is no God. It's not just a belief, it is passive idea that they don't believe in a God. But it's, this new atheism is really a religion. And it's the faith that there is no God. And folks, this is the broken cisterns in our country. Not to mention the rationale on issues like abortion. You know, I did a little research. Um, oh, let me finish that, fill in the blanks here before I forget and you get mad at me because you've got a blank there. Um, it never, it, if I leave a blank, someone's, because I know, and I'm the same way, I want to feel, if there's a blank there, I want to fill it in. So preacher, don't put a blank there unless you're going to tell me what goes in there. So I understand. I, I'm, I'm one that bothers. So not to mention the rationale of issues like abortion and homosexuality and evolution and pornography. So abortion and homosexuality and evolution and pornography. Now, we think about abortion, and we in the church, we stand, we stand against that. And yet, I did research uh, yesterday on this, and I found that Seven out of ten, seven out of ten women who've had an abortion, seven out of ten profess to be a Christian. It doesn't mean they are a Christian. It could be any, any, any number of, uh, you know, what I found is the statistics, there's a lot of statistics on marriage and divorce. Uh, you find that the statistics within the church aren't much different from outside the church when it comes to divorce rates. Some of that's skewed now because some of the numbers that are involved in that are second marriages or third marriages. Second marriages are much more likely to fail than the first marriage. Third marriage is very much more likely to fail than the first or second marriage. Um, so if you're on second marriage, hold on. You've got to work harder than, than somebody else because it, it's just a challenge. 
But the fact that we in the church, we take a stand on things, and yet it's still people who would profess that and claim that, their belief on that, they still can get pulled into it. Folks, legal doesn't make it moral. Just because alcohol is legal doesn't make it the right thing to consume alcohol. doesn't make it a good thing. Abortion is legal in a lot of states and, 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 and up to a certain point. Now, I'll say this. So if it's 7 out of 10, statistically, there may be someone in here who's had an abortion. Let me say this. God forgives. When we repent of our sin and we take it to the Lord, there's forgiveness. And I've, I've met with ladies and talked with ladies that, that uh, they were dealing with issues. I had a good friend man years ago, and I found out, I mean, she was self-destructive. Absolutely self-destructive. Everything in her life that she was doing was tearing herself apart. And what I found out talking with her husband, going through counseling, they were having trouble, he was having problems. And what I found out is he was a believer, she wasn't when they were dating. They, he, was, he, he was a believer, but he wasn't living, he wasn't walking with the Lord. They, they got involved sexually, she got pregnant out of wedlock. Her parents, her family insisted she get an abortion. He knew it was wrong. He knew it was wrong, and yet he caved into that, took her. He took her. He took her and drove her, and he, he wept with me over this. He took her, and she had the abortion. They were never able to have children. She got saved. They got married, and years later, years later, heartbroken because they could never have kids after that. Just heartbroken. She, at that point in her life, was doing everything she could self-destructively to punish herself with eating, with just different lifestyle choices, just was destroying herself because of the guilt she was carrying around. Folks, if, we, if we've got sin in our life, if there's something that's there, then we come before the Lord, we, we repent of that sin, we confess that sin. That's what scriptures tell us. If we confess our sin, He's faithful and just to forgive us of our sin and to cleanse us from all unrighteousness. So folks, whatever it may be, I mean, any of the things we've talked about, we, we all, they're, they're, I, I'd say this, I don't know that there's a one of us in here tonight that, that doesn't have something we ought to maybe be repenting of tonight. Something that we, ought, we, we should be, I, I hope I'm wrong. I hope you came in here and you haven't, I mean, you, you just came in perfect. I hope you did. It's possible. I'm not, I'm not joking or mocking that. It's possible. It's probably not likely, though. You know, you could have been walking over from, from the other side and somebody ran by you and brushed you or something. You, I can't believe they such a hurry. Could have knocked my Bible out of my hand. I don't know. I didn't see that happen. I'm just, that's just an example. There's any, any number of things that, that could happen. So... We just gotta, we just gotta keep going to the Lord, and because of them, these these different things. Well, let me let me finish up here. Not to mention, let me read that again. Not to mention the rationale on issues like abortion, homosexuality, and evolution, and pornography. These secular philosophies that leave you empty and ways of living that don't deliver. It's just they don't deliver. When we when we try to live like the world, we follow the ways of the world. It doesn't deliver. It's going to be empty. And because of them, we're in trouble. Not just because we've made our own way, uh, as lame as it is, but because we've rejected God's way. That's the problem. 
The problem is, I mean, it's bad enough that we want to follow our own way. The, the real problem comes in when we reject God's way. That's where the problem is. We've abandoned the fountain of living waters, which ought to, to grieve us, not only out of concern for our culture, but concern for souls. And we, we, we ought to be grieving for the souls around us. That's why I'm teaching what I'm teaching on Sunday mornings. I want you to understand the issues we're facing today. And the first part of that is understanding why they are biblically wrong. And if it's biblically wrong, we need to help people understand they're biblically wrong. We don't need to just go right along and go, okay, well, that's all right. You know, I, I, you know, you have a conversation sometimes with people and they speak something and, and you try to tell them something. They say, hey, don't, don't rebuke me. Don't, don't chastise. Don't t- Listen, you, you, you want, we want to have a conversation. I'm not going to just capitulate to, to, the, to act like everything. If you speak something that's not true, I'm going to help you understand what's true, what the Scriptures say. That's where we need to be. We don't have to be ugly about the way we do it. But we need to do it. Right? So we need to speak truth in, in, in love. We're motivated from a place of love. Well, maybe it's simply because we love the Lord and we want to be faithful to Him. Maybe it's because we love the people that this person and this culture or this sin is pushing. This whole transgender thing, there are people who are caught up in that and my heart breaks for them. I want to see them reached and help them. Okay, Homosexuality, that's transgender, all those struggles. There are people who struggle with that. And then there are those who jump on that and capitalize on that and try to really take it further. And they're pushing an agenda. They're pushing it on our little children. That's why I don't mind sharing it. And the kids, kids hear some things. I'm not going to be vulgar in here, but I'm not going to hide from that. If you think, if your kid, let me say this, if your kids are in public school and you think little Johnny hadn't heard stuff by the second, third, fourth grade, you're deceiving yourself. You are way behind the curve. If you're homeschooling, praise God, you can protect them a little longer but those elementary school kids are hearing because they hear what their friends bring in and their friends aren't in a home that loves the Lord in many cases. They hear it all. They see it all. They're exposed to it all. And you think they don't come to school and share it? Just think back when you were in school. I was in school in the 19, late 70s and the early 1980s. And I heard and saw a whole lot of stuff that I shouldn't have been hearing at those ages. That was back then. It's a whole lot worse now. And because of all these things, we're in trouble. Not just because we've made our own way again, but because we've, regre- we've rejected God's way. We've abandoned the fountains of living waters, and it ought to grieve us and ought to concern us because of the end thereof is the way of death. Reject the fountain of living waters, and the result is death, which means we're in trouble. And the, la- the latest indicator is the whole transgender movement. It's not the only indicator, but it's one of the latest. And, it's, and, 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 man, it's just this whole thing has infiltrated our entire culture right now. Look at, look at I mean, you got Target selling onesies for newborns that are pushing transgender issues. I haven't shopped at or been in a Target for I don't know how many years now when they went with the whole bathroom thing years ago. They just whoever could go, I said, I'll never... I may be a hypocrite because there may be other things that I, you know, I, I, don't, I eat Nabisco cookies. I shouldn't because I think ABC or, 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 CB, or ABC or Disney or something, I think they own Nabisco. I'm a hypocrite. I still eat my Nabiscos. I shouldn't. 
I shouldn't, but I am telling you this. I don't go into Target. I don't buy online at Target. They ain't getting a penny out of me. And, and I'm going to tell you this. If we as Christians, if Christians around the country would stand up and quit buying from these companies that are woke and are pushing these agendas, you know what? They'll, they'll change. Or they'll go broke. But we don't have strong enough conviction to do that because I like my Nabisco cookies. I'm telling you, I'm not eating no more Oreos. <laughs> I'm going to go back and research it. If it's owned by a woke company, I'm not eating anymore. I'm done with it. I've been, I've been talking myself into conviction right here. I'm going, wow, what a hypocrite you are. You're a hypocrite. Y'all ask me about it. Gina, Gina's watching back there. We ain't eating any more Oreos. Gina just got mad at me. I'm not eating any more Oreos. Bless you. What? That's who owns, the, the, that's who owns Nabisco? Are they woke? Find out and let me know. I mean, get me off the hook here, Brent. So. That and Nutter Butters, man. I'm, you know, that's the thing. <laughs> um, try to bring this back in and wrap this up. <laughs> Here's the thing. Laws are being passed to protect their rights. They're, they're being passed to protect their rights as though they didn't have the same rights that we have. Uh, I'm going to mention this Sunday, but listen, this whole thing about bathrooms, we, we have a right to have our own bathroom or to be able to go. You've got a right, and the right is to go to a bathroom. You're not being denied bathroom use. You can go to the bathroom. And, and, and nah, I'm going to have to stop because if I, if I get in that, then I'm going to preach half my sermon from Sunday uh, for Sunday coming. So you come back and you'll hear some more on that. Um, other laws are being ignored because of the fear of backlash or of being canceled or, or out, of, uh, uh, out and out open support of this wicked agenda. I mean, there's some that they're just pushing it. The whole thing with, I shouldn't even voice this, um, Bud Light. I mean, how, how out of touch with America are you when, when you push that? And you see, you, you go woke, you go broke, Right. And that's what should happen. It's amazing. The beer drinkers in our country got more conviction than the Christians do. <laughs> now, I'm not saying if you're a beer drinker, you're not a Christian. But there might be something to that. So uh, don't come up and fuss at me afterwards. Preacher, you said I ain't a Christian. Because then we'll know. We'll know who our beer drinkers are. It's a cistern and an abandonment of the life-giving way of God. And even though we, 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 we could see it coming, and folks, we've seen it coming, and yet it, it keeps coming. And even though we knew it was coming, we've seen it coming, it's here, it ought to shock us, and it ought to grieve us. As God's people, we ought to be appalled and utterly broken. Amen? And so let's go back. What do we do? If my people, who are called by my name, will humble themselves and pray and seek my face, and turn from their wicked ways. Let's not even talk about the last part. Because what we've got to focus on is the first part. That's what we've got to focus on. As the church, the bride of Christ, is humbling ourselves as believers 
and praying and seeking His face and turning from our wicked ways. Making sure we're walking in His righteousness. Living a life that is pleasing unto Him. And man, when something's revealed that's not right, then we've got we've to be humble before the Lord and obedient to His Word and respond to that. Amen? Amen. All right, well, we've got, we've got about nine minutes. So you've got the prayer.